spidey senses tingling. Good evening, Paper Keg. He is the host that has entertained a generation and launched a thousand book jugs. He's Dale A, and this is your Paper Cake Podcast, episode 201. That's at least 11 confirmed book jugs, I believe. I can't remember if we did 12 or not yet. Jonesy, you can back me up on that when we have time. This is Paper Keg, and the three of us, we read comics, and we talk about them live on the air. We do a book club segment you maybe find yourselves familiar with. We read your letters. It's my co-hosts. Tonight, to my left, Jonesy Loves Beer. Good evening. Good evening, sir. I am uh, super excited to do this week's book, uh, which seems to be called From Your Own Mind. I may or may not have been in contact with folks consulting me on this book, what I would want out of it. (laughs) To my right, the esteemed equipmentless. His USB mic is too heavy for his mic stand. Uh, Twitch superstar, Slim. Thanks for uh, having me. You know, this is an all-new, all-different paper keg. The excitement is palpable, Dale. Um, Twitch or no Twitch, I'm here for this episode. Tonight, Black Sad. I thought of a new name. A Twitchianato. You're welcome. You can have that one for free. A Twitchianato and us two book juggers. We're doing book Black Sad. We're doing a book called Black Sad tonight. Uh, I'm excited. We're all excited. I'm going to fade down this volume here. Amazing. Amazing. A Twitchianato's, you know, some of the best stuff Jonesy's ever put out on this show. Book Jug, book jug for those who don't know, is a book, audiobook, podcast review that you two do together. What's the next uh, Book Jug episode hitting the pipeline? Can you reveal that information for us? Um, within the next, I don't know, two weeks, Jonesy, I would think. Um, I have to, as soon as I'm done uh, my tour of duty in the highlands of uh, the northern part of southern Vietnam and the, uh, the queue of books that I have lined up because of our current, our, our next book jug book. Um, we will re- re- review the book that started me on my journey. War and Peace. Of, no, The Things They Carried, which is the... Expertly narrated by Brian Cranston. Yeah. Really? Cranston? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's he great. Hmm. He's fantastic. Narrating incredible books. Is he a history nut? History buff? Nut buff? It's story. I think I'm uh, expertly qualified to answer that statement. He is, yes, absolutely okay. a history buff. Good I know. know that from our close personal relationship that we have. The uh, Yeah, I think I saw those those tweets, those vague sub-book jug tweets on Dale's Twitter feed. You know, just mm. random war photos tweeted, some kind of, you know, vague correlation to Dale's life in Vietnam and an iPhone. <laughs> I couldn't make hiding her hair uh, out of it. It, I'm being so very, so very cryptic, but there's not a lot of radio chatter. I can't, uh, I can't reveal everything. Radio silence on most of my life right now. But <laughs> today is 40 years to the day that Saigon fell by the uh, North Vietnamese, and they took wow. over the city, renamed it Ho Chi Minh City. You know what? Maybe do for a, a reread. Top five comic books of all time, in my opinion, Fury Max. Mm, Chelsea was making a groan noise before I even said what book it was. I don't know how I knew. Did that. I knew. <laughs> I knew. Fury Max. We did it on a previous episode. What an episode! Because that was a whole episode devoted to Fury Max. Is like what, how many issues? Who even remembers? Who even it's a blur. Knows? 
I I certainly don't even want to care to know the issue number. I just want it to be wrapped up around me like half double designs blankets oh that they wonderfully make for me in my home. Yeah, how was that? And blanket? that I have to hide half double design. My wife's uh, startup. I guess I can say startup. I don't even know if that fits. But you, do you just drape yourself in that blanket she uh, crocheted for you? The first week uh, that I got it from her, I got in a bit of trouble because I slept in my Barker lounger every night. <laughs> like, instead of going upstairs into bed, I would just, like, you know, I have uh, one of those automatic Barker loungers where you just press the button and I'm like, and you, like, lean back in your chair, and that's it, I'm done. I just throw that half double designs blanket on and I don't wake up again from the long cold night. There's actually an engine in your chair that moves for you. Yeah, it's a it's a little motor that says, "Hey buddy, don't you know, don't stress yourself out and use those back muscles to uh recline. We're going to go ahead and take How care of it." How was the jawbone up app think about that that chair? The coach takes me to task about a lot of things, but the uh the recliner is not one of them. Free comic book day is this Saturday. Snuck what? up on us. Yeah, wow. It's, it is super close. And when you guys are listening to this, it was last Saturday. Oh, my God. You missed it. You blew it. I you missed a chance. I don't even know. I'm going to be um, two kids in tow, guys. You think I'm going to take my two kids into a comic book shop on free comic book day? Sad, black, sadly mistaken <laughs> there, folks. <laughs> I'm sorry, free comic book day, but... Can't you just tie the little one to the big one and then just... <laughs> and know, then tie that one to, like, to, J- to Dale? Some kind of yeah, chain you know. of parenting happening? <laughs> right. Some hands-off chain where I tie their hands to their sides. <laughs> <laughs> Jonesy will be... So that's the status this weekend. You'll have two kids. So you, you'll either be not Twittering or you'll be vining as if you are in the Viet Cong and mm-hmm. there's some kind of explosion happening and you're hiding from it. And Jonesy will be out of town... At his unnamed work-related event. I will be in Chicago opposite the weekend that all my friends and, and peers will be there. Oh, boy. What a town. I want to move to Chicago immediately. Wow. Forever. Wow. Good grief. Strong words. <laughs> it's a fact, Jonesy. We have a huge show to get to. Black Sad is our book club. Anthropomorphic. Black Sad. I feel like this is the book that was that Dale was born to read. If I'm <laughs> right, I'm I'm I've considered the fact over the last week that like he wrote this book, got it published under a pen name, mm-hmm. and then has silently been just counting, you know, putting his ducks in a row yeah. until he can line it mm-hmm. up for a book club because he wants to get our opinion. I feel like that's true. I feel like if you guys are giving me enough credit to think that I could write a beautiful book like this, then you certainly boost me up and my are my true friends but i i have no abilities whatsoever to do that after the uh, black sad book club we'll get into the letters segment where there was rumors that it was ending but that was a subtle very subtle troll from dragon fro last episode the letters segment is alive and well and will never die alleged and uh, we'll see what happens you know we'll we'll see where the wind takes us Jonesy, can you please uh, bring us into the world of Black Sad from Dark Horse Books? Let let me paint you a beautiful watercolor picture, much like the art in Black Sad. And consider for a fact that everything that has happened in this world has happened. Except instead of being human beings, everyone that exists is a half-human, half animal hybrid and how i mean is there's no you know parental relationship where there's a history of humans and animals mating but each person is human except for the neck up right so john blacksad he's he's a streetwise uh private eye but he's also a cat so he's like got a muscular human body but he's got a cat head and like that's the comment that this uh, this writer makes about the world is that we're all really animals. It's uh, really interesting. And John Black said, in the first volume, 
uh, is put on the case three times. There's three separate short stories uh, in this volume. Uh, the first one being John's uh, tale of revenge against somebody who killed an old flame. Uh, the second is his involvement in a chronicled race war between polar animals and southern animals. Uh, and third is... Well, I totally blanked on what the third one is. It's great, though. Let me tell you. It's called The, the, fantastic the Red Hour, The Red Soul. It's about communism, communists, witch hunts. Oh, man, did I? And uh, the that's bomb. the first time in 200 episodes that I blanked on a... Uh, man, it's definitely not the first time I'm in 200 episodes that you've made a mistake during the synopsis. Listen, it's the first time in 200 error. episodes that I blanked on a synopsis. But Black Sad is... Absolutely worth picking up because instead of just being your typical like Grandville anthropomorphic book where it's like very fantastical, uh, Black Sad is a social commentary where the anthropomorphic factor is the writer's comment. Uh, in my opinion, like what makes us humans as animals, and because of that, how ridiculous. Our hate, our behavior can seem from the outside looking in. Black Sad, brilliant book. Uh, Dale wrote it. I mean, he's he's saying he didn't, but you know, war, communism, history, anthropomorphic animals. I mean, Dale wrote this book. John Black Sad is uh, your spirit animal. My my abs my spirit animal. Um, yeah, this, this book, I mean, it's anthropomorphic, which if you haven't listened um, to our anthropomorphic show, it's just, it's just, uh, you know, one of my, I'm a sucker. I'm a sucker for it. Let's be honest. Let's, let's just call that that. And I've been waiting to read Black Sad for a long time. And the only way uh, to get a book read on the show is you got to make Slim think it's his idea. So you just plant the seed <laughs> and you know, lo and behold, maybe we do two maybe do Black Sad for two oh one. You know, we got one more before Jonesy leaves and maybe it's maybe this could be his last time on the show. We won't know. Mm-hmm. It really depends on how successful at Aminity is on her two episodes if Jonesy returns. I mean I I will gladly step down and just hold up the mic to her. I mean She's already the third most popular host compared to my fifteenth least popular host. Mm-hmm. I mean, th- I mean, those are the only numbers I know that you let me see. So, so these uh, this book started getting made in uh, two thousand three, two thousand four for the French speaking audience. The at least the artist lives in France. They are both Spanish from Spain, and uh, eventually made its way to our shores from Dark Horse Comics in two thousand and ten where it collected the existing three that are out, won the Eisner Award for Best Painting. And uh, Jim Steranko does the foreword for the book. And it's just one of the most beautiful books I've ever seen in my life. Holy smokes. The... The... There is a... Jim now Jim Steranko does a he says a lot that is very on point but the humanity in all of these animals faces are second to none and Steranko very aptly pinpoints and I would have made I would have made that um <clears throat> comparison if he hadn't but he very aptly compares the uh the technic the technical aspects of their their facial expressions to any marvelous disney movie which is very on point because it's very uh the, given the the black sad the main character he's a cat it's very uh you know on point with jungle book you know the sheer cons and the uh the bagheera is that the panther bagheera but the the facial expressions in these animals faces are just are, are absolutely brilliant to convey so much without words being spoken 
and the 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 art in general is just absolutely gorgeous. Yeah, the um the drawing of uh Black Sad actually just went off in my head where he looked very familiar was Batman the animated series. Uh I think the character was called Tigress. Do you remember that character? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh it was like he was a animal that was being experimented on or grew in a uh test tube, but yeah, you're absolutely right about the Disney stuff. I didn't think of it. I just while reading it, I knew that it was just stunningly gorgeous. Yeah, and um, I couldn't pinpoint what it was, but it, it, I think you're right. It is the expressions and the mannerisms and the styling of the movements. Mm-hmm. I mean, you don't see something like this in comics generally, and it was it was kind of like almost a freeze frame of of a well. It's like a more detailed freeze frame of a, a top notch animated film. It felt like. One thing I loved, probably more than anything uh, beyond the art, and, and I'm going to tell you straight up, the second story, the, the race war story, was by far my favorite. When I first read the like the tale of revenge, I, I kind of kept asking myself, all right, so I know this is good, but you know why you know where's the acclaim that I've heard about this book coming from because it's you know. It's a book about a 1930s LA Confidential type crime solver, and he's going after, you know, the killer of an old flame. And then when they finally started this, the second volume, uh, hello Siri. Yes, how are you? Thank you. Uh, I I was blown away because it was basically retelling uh, the the racial. Um, Embattlements between the North and the South in like the 1960s America, where the white supremacists, and they're called that, are basically this population of like polar animals, like white wolves and polar bears, and like any animal that would be like white furred. It wasn't there a group called like the Arctic something, the Arctic crew, or it was it, yeah, was it, was it the Arctic funny. Circle? Was it that on the nose? I can't remember. Yeah, it was, yeah. it was the Arctic something. It was pretty. It was pretty well well thought of. So for the like the first time, you had the realization that oh, I guess John Blacksad is black in this world, and it adds like another layer uh, of wow. You, you, like you say to yourself, well, isn't it silly that animals would put such a stock? in fur color and skin color that makes no sense and then the aha moment of black set is well we're all humans why do we put such a stock on our skin pigment and that what that, that very moment black Sad got me would have made me ask that question i was like there is a there is a deeper layer to this book that is absolutely worth all the praise it's been getting that i've been hearing about and once i was in that mode it just get it started to get better and better each time i turned the page I mean, what an amazing way to teach in a respect. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and what I really liked, and I I was going in expecting like a full-on, we would be trying to help John Blacksad solve the case. Like I was expecting more kind of twists and turns on solving the actual case but the but the mystery of what was going down wasn't actually that it was more i guess tropey than mm. what i expected but not to a detriment to the story because it just enabled you to read about more of the consequences of each action and not you know who killed Colonel Mustard, you know, in the like, it wasn't trying to figure out anything because Black Sad pretty much had it on the nose, and you could you could kind kind of see some of the uh, the mystery as it was unfolding, and you could have guessed it, but it was more, I think, to let you kind of suffer the pain of what the characters that are embroiled in these mysteries are going and will go through because of the the crime for for a generalized term, the crimes that Black Sad's kind of figuring out. Yeah, I mean, there is... And you're absolutely right. There is no point where, like, you're in a mystery book. I mean, not really. 
Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. you see it from all angles. You see the corruption in the police. You know, you see that black side, black side, black side, uh, black side is kind of given free reign. And then even when he commits murder, there's no recourse for it because the system he works in is so corrupt. So you're never like, and you would think the murder would be the end scene, would be the climax of the book. But it goes on to just show you how the world of Black Side is just as corrupt as ours. And maybe there are no consequences for situations like that he's put in. I mean, not consequences for him. Yeah, he only really got like beat up. Well, I guess he got beat up in the second story, I think. And then there eventually was a consequence where his lady love for that book, you know, that he finally bedded a woman during this one story. And there was like hope that, you know, she talked about how she was scorned previously by two lovers. And maybe this was a chance for both of them to start over. And then because of his actions, he's put in jail for like two weeks and misses a date that would have set off that relationship. And then, you know, I guess there are repercussions, but I guess maybe they're like huge in different ways, so to speak. Yeah, they they vary, and it's to say he's. I mean, he says like from the end of the first story, like this is where it all kind of went downhill for me, and he's his life has been kind of like a struggle ever since. But yeah, I mean, because the end suffer. of the the end of the first story is really unexpected in my book. It's very dark where he gets to the bottom of the case and he finds out that the main person, the, the main perpetrator is like the, a Donald Trump character mm-hmm. in modern day. And his, the police chief or the captain tells him initially at the onset is like, this is, this is too big. Just stay out of it. it. You know, you should just stop investigating. And then later he tells him the same thing that they're going to drop the case because they, it's too high up. And then what what surprised me was is that this police captain, commissioner, whoever he was, the German Shepherd, says, we're dropping the case, but I want you to continue, and I want you to take care of this person, no questions asked, and you won't be charged for it. And I was like, whoa, I didn't expect yeah. that at all. Like, but yeah. that was a great twist, I thought, to what, yeah. what could have been yeah. an easy story. Yeah, exactly. And he does go after the character, and... You know, the character is just so cocky and like, what are you going to do? There's nothing you can do here. And then Black Sad like shoots him right in the head and then walks off into into life. Like, mm-hmm. like outside, he walks back out into the city and he's like, this is this is it. You know, this is this is how my life is now. It's dark and it's, yeah. it's twisty and you know, I just have to deal with it. And I mean, and complete props to the uh, the illustration, but when. <laughs> I actually screenshotted what you just spoke of when when you see Black Sad like looking over the dead body of the frog or whoever the amphibian he just killed, and the panel before it is the guy, is that guy like high on life because he knows he's nearly untouchable. And the uh, caption is, "If it hadn't been for that smirk, I wouldn't have been able to kill him." <laughs> yeah, that was. But great the lines. harm was already done. Like, yeah, yeah. And you see like a- it in the illustration mm-hmm. for like a page and a half you even know that Black Sad's not going to kill this guy. Like, he's a good guy. You know, he, or like, yeah. that's what you're led to believe for this first story. Like, he's, he can't do it. This bad guy's right. He should just walk away. And then he's, then he grins. He's like, I can't remember what this line was, but he's like, you know, there's something, something that gets us to the top, or there's something that connects people that get to the top and people that don't, or do whatever it takes. He's like, it's cold blood. And then he smirks at him. <laughs> then, then the next panel is just the guy, like, laid over on his desk, dead. There wasn't even, like, a shot panel. And it was re- it was really great, but yeah, I, I was I was surprised at the format of the book. I wasn't sure what to expect. I thought it was going to be like a hundred ninety two page detective story, and we'd be yeah. led along. So the 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 breaking apart of the uh, episodes, I think they call it, was surprising. And if I had one negative to say about the book, I mean the artwork is just stunning. Like I can imagine like what the like the day this book came out. In comics, people must have just been pooing yeah. all over themselves. But the one detriment, I, I wish I knew um, deeply French because I'd want to read the initial French mm-hmm. version of this book because even reading back in English, I feel like there's some things that are lost or 
someone that had just, or maybe, maybe I'm totally wrong, maybe they did write the English version as well, but I feel like it's not an intimate knowledge of the English language for, for whatever, whatever that means to, to you. It just felt like it wasn't as fine-tuned and solid, the English writing. I, I completely agree with you, and that's one of the observations that I made too, and I think, I don't know where it fell felt a little foreign to me what but either the um the translation or the and the punchline to certain jokes mm-hmm. and certain descriptions when he's describing you know how he ended up like w- uh, one of the ones was when he when it looked like he was going into his home when he was rather beat up and then he wakes up in the jail cell I think there might have been something lost there, and yeah. it didn't yeah, quite like if, translate like if, over. If this text was pitched as a noir detective novel, I don't think it would pass mustard. Like the the way it was written, I don't think it's good enough for like a, just a straight novel without the art. Like if like a Greg Rucka book, I feel like could translate into just just the words would be good enough to be on its own. But I don't, th- I think this needs the art to work as a complete volume. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. I completely agree. The, um, the third one, I think the third one with the, the Fox, was it the white Fox? And I think that one, was that the race? That was the that second, was the second one. one. Oh, that was the second the third, one. Yeah. The third one was the, like the project paperclip analog. Right. Where he uh, kind yeah. of gets in with this group of, scientists and you know big thinkers and Mm -hmm. how how bonkers was the reveal of the second episode of the wife slash oh that was insane that was was really crazy super crazy very french i i think yeah yeah and i think maybe some of the translation i maybe not but i think that some of the translation affected that story so like do we know if he ever slept with his daughter? Yeah, said, she, she she said it never happened, and he even mentions like, "I want what you will never give me." Yeah, it's pretty clear. Yeah. that they never. But even then, that's like, I mean, yeah, but they got. I mean, they got married. Like, listen, like I don't know. They got married. So who fathered the kidnapped child? That's what I want to know. The other sister, Dina. Yeah, but uh, oh, who, who fathered? fathered it? Oh, that I don't know. Oh, well, yeah. I think I, we could probably safely get into spoiler territory. But for, um, this police captain has this super sexy wife. He's a polar bear. He's the head of the Arctic Circle, like neo Nazism. Yeah, and then and then he is. It's really I don't know. I don't want to get into it too deep, but it's like kind of convoluted. But it's revealed that his wife was really the brains behind the whole operation to blackmail him. And she's not only his wife, but she's actually his daughter, estranged daughter come back to town to really put the boots to him. Yeah. Previously he had, I, I, I guess what we consider a mixed race marriage. And then all of a sudden race became chic in this town and to get ahead he had to be a white supremacist, so he abandoned his first wife that he had two daughters with. And and it and it, the story, the sticking it to him part wouldn't have been so bad, but he left her pregnant in the middle of the woods, in the snowy right. woods. Like, it, it was crazy. I mean, I, I thought to myself, like, okay, if that happened to me, would I be willing to pose as a prospective lover? for this man and marry him and never have sex with him just to bide my time to wait to get him. Because I mean, how long do you have to wait at that point to destroy him? I guess they wanted to destroy him via blackmail and not like kill him. They wanted to be torn down. I guess you're right (laughs) because just kill him and get, get on with your lives. But I mean, that's like a Japanese horror story. (laughs) It's like old boy. (laughs) That is like old boy type stuff right there. God, really intense. I I pretty much never recovered from that reveal because that was like, I was like, what? Yeah, I I couldn't believe it. (laughs) And not only that, but she, uh, she willingly seduced the fox to try to get him on board. 
So she's having relations with this fox that she's got no feelings for just to bring him into the plan. Yeah. Like, she went full-on mm-hmm. sociopath just to just to get the father back. One of the most shocking pages in the book is when you see Black Sad's, like, little right-hand man, like the ferret, like, spy through the window. Weekly. And, like, there's full-on dog person anthropomorphic Oh, yeah. They're going stuff. at it hardcore. It's it 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 shocked me of all people, Kenzie, and I read better, across if that this shock, show. If that panel shocked you, you need to close your laptop right now and unplug from the internet because <laughs> that stuff is popular. What to say the least? I don't know. Stop. <laughs> it. There are conventions where people dress up as foxes and right. polar bears and rub on like, each other. Nah, you're, you're, tro- you're trolling me right now. <laughs> You you win. I'm getting Slim. I'm getting that patented aloof Jonesy where yeah. I, I asked him to use Skype and he said, "quote Is that an app I have to install?" Well, listen, the Mac has an app store, and I thought, "Is it an app that I need to install in order to use it on the Mac?" And and I was you know greeted with, "I'm going to bed." Immediate sar- sarcastic derision. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, Jonesy's top secret two weeks in uh convention capital of chicago he's probably checking multiple bags uh, you know who, who, who yeah knows he's how got the he's got the airline on his phone he's checked yeah. in he's got the pass up he he's knows got, what he's, he's doing he's, the furry costume is like half sticking out of the luggage he's got to <laughs> shove it back in my old, my like, old oh, really really my old boss uh one of my old jobs was uh was a furry he was hardcore here. into that life all right no, yeah. hang on with the purpose of uh, is it going to be inappropriate if you explain to me this side shoot of humanity like, I mean what is a furry like they really dress up as animals yeah they wear like uh, the full on costume head to toe they wear like the the, ha- the mask of a of a whatever animal they prefer they, and they role play favorite as one. that yeah they role play as them okay and the role play involves you know heavy petting as it were <laughs> Right. And uh, then my jaw just dropped. <laughs> Jonesy, come on, Jonesy. I feel like there's just a huge I, segment of internet that might melt Jonesy's brain if yeah, uh, yeah. shown. <laughs> <laughs> but the third, the third, back to the non-furry black sad. I mean, there probably are, but the third one, you know, was heavy communism, heavy, you know, the H bomb. Oh yeah. And what was really shocking about that volume is where it was revealed that his old friend, well first of all the female love interest in that in this book was just jaw-dropping. She gorgeous. Was she was gorgeous and she was it was so awesome to see Black Sad flirt with her, man. I just wanted to give him a high five. <laughs> it was. It, it was. Awesome. Yeah. And then that that one that jaw-dropping sh- uh, twist was that his dear friend that he was trying to protect and you know knew from growing up um turned out to be what is what is essentially as we know a nazi scientist that defected to the united states so he was working with the nazis and black sad had never knew that and now that secret was coming out as the scientist was starting to gain more notoriety I didn't see that one coming at all. I, I will no, say there were some very shocking storyline moments that I just had no idea was coming. And that was the biggest, uh, you know, sign that the world was as it was. History happened. And there was definitely Nazi Germany mm-hmm. in this world. Like before, before that, you know, you could speculate, but that was like, whoa, yeah, this Nazi Germany existed and he was a scientist and... Yeah, he's having huge regrets, and and the uh, the communists, you know, it just plays into my, you know, that's how uh, the Vietnam War started, guys. We just talk about it for a couple more minutes. <laughs> the domino theory, uh, the communists, uh, if the ta- communists invade uh, Vietnam, you know, where does it stop? So where does the, it stop? Black sad stop? in Vietnam probably so is where the, it stops. So the United States had to Fury step in. Black sad. That's when they do... John Black said as Nick Fury, as Fury Max, as Vietnam. Oh, my God. Oh, my God, my head. Dominoes, where does it Dale's, end? Uh, something's happening in betwixt Dale's legs, I think. <laughs> but, the, I so. mean, from top to bottom, the art 
and storytelling with the artwork was second to none. Mm-hmm. Like it yeah. can't be topped the artwork in this book, but the, the writing I think was whether or not it was lost in translation. I, it still was good enough for the book. Like it wasn't bad, right? but it was like, there were certain points where I was like, kind of raised my eyebrow that, you know, maybe I wouldn't have written that word or that phrase, but you know, I will say it's, it's, uh, very nicely priced. I think it was twelve ninety nine in the Dark Horse digital app for one hundred and seventy seven pages. A lot of back matter. I mean, bang for your buck. Hardcovers. They only come out in hardcover. There's um, there's these three stories bundled in the first hardcover, and then there's two additional hardcovers. One just came out a couple weeks ago. Hmm. The Do you last own it? one? Yeah. Uh, yes. Silent Hell, I think. I think it's. Do called. they do they all come out in French first? Are they like French released? You know, because I think that format is that bande dessinée format in France, where they just only release kind of the sixty-page plus graphic novels. I'm almost confident that that's how it, it is released first. I wish I wish we lived in France. Yeah, well, I love that format. We have to pick your uh, co-host's brain, Kazam. Kazam, hashtag Kazam. Uh, so that is Black Sad, buy it. Please do not be offended by the spoilers that we have just rocked your world with because it is uh, a, an enjoyable read and a must read. Yeah, and in my experience, you forget about all spoilers once you sit down and read it anyway. Yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. Yep, sorry about that. I'm that's, gonna that's the first time. Geek. We got your letters. I'm gonna open them up. Yeah, that Dale sucks. I'm <laughs> gonna read them to you. Letters at paperkeg.com. You please write us. There are there is still a letter section that is fifty percent of our show now, so you are encouraged to <laughs> You are encouraged true. to not true at all. <laughs> that's another dirty rumor as well. Okay. We're just shifting around the uh, the segments, if you will. And write us a letter, letters at paperkeg.com. We will read your letter live, recorded on the era for download on Sunday or Monday. And no sooner would you hear that. Uh, Jonesy, do you want to kick off the letter? I am actually chomping at the bit to get to these letters. Uh, First, uh, my friend, and I miss him dearly. I'm glad he's written in. Uh, And that is the only one... Uh, David Finn, a.k.a. Red Lantern 2051 on the Twitters. He writes to us uh, in regards to Black Ops Letter from Red Lantern 2051. Hey, guys, just finished listening to episode 200, and congratulations on being there for the long haul. You guys are champs. Totally kept me interested in reading current comics. Much like show writer Jonesy with his acknowledged love of street-level characters, I pretty much was only reading a couple of writers or characters by the time I stumbled like an idiot into your episode of Kingdom Come. So many moons ago, when Farrington was still alive, and I said the famous words to my girlfriend, these guys aren't too bad. For the record, she rolled her eyes, her normal reaction to breaking comic news, uh, but I quickly started to sample some of the books you mentioned. Baltimore was a great choice for 200, although stunned Cable and Deadpool Omnibus didn't win the vote. Uh, Thanks for that (laughs) competition winner, Ed Jones. And it led me mm-hmm. to a comp- uh, into complete new areas. Anyway, I know letters are banned now, so this is just black ops stuff. I guess I could never finish my story about my memories of buying Frank Miller's Electra the Assassin comics from Stone Comic Store staffers in the late 80s, and they're mumbled, you should be okay with this. I wasn't. Uh, anyway, guys, I just want to say a big thanks for the show, your chats, and your friendship. You're all a pleasure to listen to. Uh, keep it real in the streets. Once again, that's Dave Finn, a.k.a. Red Lantern 2051. Hell of a guy. He's an Aussie, guys. He listens to the show 12 hours in the future, and we love him. Yeah, Dave Finn's a uh, great friend of the show, and thanks for writing, Dave. Uh, we are sorry that Cable and Deadpool did not get picked for episode 200, I believe. One you may be the only one. One day. One day it will be the book club. You know, uh, if you plan it in Slim's head, make him think it's his idea, we'll read it next week with an amenity on the show. I had someone at work tell me they also enjoyed 
cave one deadpool oh snap really so my ears perked up a little mm. bit that's interesting yeah mm. it was slim in a mirror mm, yeah well because you know because you think cable and deadpool right i know. just immediately yeah exactly you know and i mean granted it did run for like 50 issues but still it's like it's cable and deadpool mm-hmm. i mean you have to have faith you have to have persistence to want to pick up one issue, let alone. I mean, there's yeah, a lot of bird all, cages you know? in the liners, is what we're saying. <laughs> <laughs> bird cage reminded me of uh, the um, True Detective. I was rewatching that oh, bird cage. You either call it the demon cage or the devil cage or the bird cage. I don't know, mm. but just mm. reminded me. Uh, next up, at bruiser underscore dog on the twitter friend of the show joe gentlemen greetings for starters the show is better than ever of all the podcasts i listen to week in and week out paper keg is the cast i am most excited about bar none just finished listening to episode 199 52 volume one in the fireside there was some discussion about possibly reformatting the show moving segments around possibly even dropping a segment or two As a listener, I felt I should chime in and give my humble opinion. Personally, I love every bit of the show. I listen from beginning to end, no fast-forwarding. I really like all the different segments, particularly the lightning round. Oh, oh, sorry, Joe. There's something to be said about moving things around to keep things fresh and new for y'all. But as a loyal listener, I hope there's no more talk of cutting the lightning round. Move it to the fireside if you must. Wow, look at that. Uh, executive producing credit on this episode, uh, Bruiser Dog on the Twitter. <laughs> but please keep the segment. I really love it, and I am sure many more listeners do as well. Keep doing God's work. <laughs> that's right. That's from a friend Joe at Bruiser Dog on the Twitter. That'd be great. Uh, new byline for Paper Keg and iTunes. Just doing God's work. <laughs> that's perfect. Uh, our next letter comes to us from. Also, that was a very nice. First, well, first, that was a very nice letter. I don't think that I was said that. Extremely nice. No. We're terrible at actually like thanking people who write the letters, I thought but maybe, we, we love every letter, believe us. I thought Jonesy maybe got one from Dragonfro coming in hot, so he pulled the patented <laughs> ripcord on the current letter and go to the next one. Is that patented, though? Yeah. I mean... That was a patented move. Uh, this letter comes to us from dear friend of the show, uh, the incomparable at Gorilla Scribe. He writes, lads, or is it just lad... Uh, this letter, composed and written as it is, maybe for naught, emailed into a dark void, is existence known only by me and the sent folder where it resides until the data purge comes to free up the space. Still, it must be written. Uh, Gorilla Scribe writes for a living, so if you wonder why this is such a well-written email, I just broke the fourth wall. Uh, a hearty and hail congratulations to you three on the uh, apocal milestone of 200 episodes. Uh, I've been listening for just three years now, a babe, really, compared to the vast and loyal network of friends of the show. Still, I am qualified to say that what I have heard has been immensely entertaining and edifying. Uh, to wit, 200. Uh, I'd not read Baltimore. Never had the inkling to read it. Now, after the exposition by you three, I'm doing just that. And to add to the course, I listen now, not just for the recommendations and the banter, but the friendship. Paper Keg, indeed, all the podcasts you do, collectively or earn subsets, have the air of talking at a bar or sitting around a fire, drinking a beer or properly aged bourbon and smoking a stogie. If you have to change, change. I and countless others, at least eight by my reckoning, will follow. In conclusion, I'll offer you up this maxim that has guided my humble life at all its adventure. Uh, Quote, remember who you are, where you are, and where you're going. And don't let yourself get lost in the shuffle, end quote. You're a friend of the show in training in Glenside at Gorilla Scribe. Glenside? I thought he lived in Reading. Oh, no. He's a local boy who, who forgets that we're having meetups, you know. That guy is a meetup. Mere, mere moments from his house. He is a pathological meetup no-show mm. Oh man, Gorilla Scribe. <laughs> He's oh, he's like uh, Dale has probably read a lot about draft dodgers uh, talking about oh, Vietnam. Draft dodger, Gor- Gorilla term. scribe is a meetup dodger. Meetup draft dodger. He's probably, par- he's probably paranoid that you're going to somehow associate Glenside with coal country, and you're going to start <laughs> talking about cracking coal in in the uh, in the made up industry of coal mining in Glen that exists in <laughs> now, Glenside. Now listen, Dale. 
Are you trying to set the great troll eye of the show onto me for no reason? <laughs> troll eye sees all. It does. It does see all, Jonesy. Never forget that. But I would love for Gorilla Scribe to come to the next meetup. We're all going to be, you know, flopping around in Dale's pool. Mm-hmm. Whatever that is. Sure. We'll have I'll a meetup at some point in the next maybe six months. I'll be in my European cut speedo. Oh boy! Oh, I will also wear a European cut speedo if, jo- if Jonesy, if you wear it. <laughs> Solidarity. Do you know that the four-year anniversary of this podcast was like a month ago? I don't think we, we even realized it. No, I sh- I certainly didn't. Four years, huh? March twenty-eighth, twenty eleven. Wow, that's fantastic! When episode one posted. Happy anniversary, guys! Happy Thanks. four years. Same deal. What is that? The Thank paper you. anniversary. Four years. <laughs> Uh, I don't know. Did we not mail ourselves a card? <laughs> I mailed you guys Amazon gift cards. Maybe they got lost in the mail. <laughs> <laughs> that's cool. Uh, yeah, thanks for the letter. Um, thanks for everything, guys. I mean, that's... I'm reaching for... Something. It's hard, it's hard stop on the letter. <laughs> 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 and... Um, I mean, we could talk about next week. Next week, huge oh, show. Probably the biggest huge, show we've ever done. Huge. We just solidified plans. We signed the contract for next week. We're getting her back. My own, thine own wife at Naminity for Paper Keg Nights. Ooh. Sex criminals. Oh, man. This is, we are going to... We're going to hold hands with Dale and bring him into the sex criminal society. Into that hot tub of life. It's going to be I, amazing. Because I says, you know what? I'm not, I'm not out of spite, you know, out of the, the, hype, hype. the hype train, sex criminals. I'm, all, I'm only going to do it if we do it for PK Nights. I'm going to do it if Naminity's going to do it with us. Mm-hmm. Jonesy will be out with his uh, buddies dressing up like foxes and cats. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Dale has agreed to wear drag in my honor. Thank my, you, Dale. That was my, very uh, big of my coal miner's outfit. <laughs> and there he goes, just turning that great troll eye back to me. The great white Haynes wizard. Almost approaches. like we're playing. It just clack right back. <laughs> uh, so yeah, so that's it. Next week, paper keg nights. Jonesy, we love you. We will see you in three weeks, I believe. Maybe. Uh, God, God willing, never again, right? All I'm saying is just I'm saying next week's about to get freaky. <laughs> Two guys, a girl, and a paper keg nights. To it right now, Jonesy. Batman 40. <laughs> I was stunned by the ending. Really? Absolutely stunned. <laughs> I, you know, I guess it made sense because convergence is happening that they could conceivably put another guy in the suit and we would have to, you know, wait. Uh, I, I'm assuming convergence is going to be like Flashpoint where we're going to get a title-wide reboot that'll last a couple years and then go back to status quo. So, you know, the birth of one of those kinds of events is always very interesting, and I was really happy with the way 
that this kind of feels like Snyder's swan song. Like he had like the entire new 52, you know, the Batman thing has kind of been his baby and we got to see the ending to his story. And I don't think we get that enough in the big two. Mm-hmm. And like, it's over. Like, you know, they're, you know, probably dead. So, well, the, um, there's one panel at the end where it looks like you can kind of see the silhouette of them walking through Gotham in daylight. Like they're in the shadows and there's a panel specifically where there's a guy on crutches and there's a little kid wearing a Robin jacket. So it's kind of like in your face that it could be Damien. But the reason I think it's Batman is because the guy on crutches has a band aid. He's got like Sin City white bandages on a black oh, silhouette. Oh, because it's over his yeah. eye where that card yeah. was. So I think that's Batman. Uh, I guess it could be. I mean, he's obviously not dead. I don't think. But it, well, it, he's going to be gone the, for the next. Is the Joker? Um, I don't know. It's, I think it's just one of those vague endings. I mean, it's definitely Joker. Definitely had a broken back at the, at the end, and then they the, the cave collapsed on them. So who knows? Dale, how are you holding up with these spoilers? Oh, you know, I don't mind spoilers, uh, and I and I am. I haven't read a Batman. I know maybe my, my my priorities are are shifted and and misplaced, but I haven't read Batman in so long that I'm okay with the spoilers. By the time I do read it, it'll be like man, 2017. This will this will be a tour de force. The um, I I read tewer. it twice. I read it the second time <laughs> Wednesday, and I liked it more the second time. I liked the scene where. We're going into Spoiler Town. Obviously, we're, we've been in there for a few minutes, but the they have their final battle in the caves where there's a Dionysium supply, which is what apparently gave Joker this kind of prolonged life and youthfulness, and he can heal. And then Batman, they have this really violent fight to the death, and Joker's back gets broken by like this falling piece of thing. Uh, side note stalactite how, stalagmite yes side note how is it that the the sharp edge of that stalactite did not just go through Joker's back and it just landed Ugh. sideways why draw it as a, like a sharp object why not just draw it as a rock <laughs> at that point but so then like Batman is toying with him he's like you're, you're right Joker you know we'll see like we're right next to this Dionysium supply so if you haven't been alive for centuries you really don't need this Dionysium supply to, to heal. Or you got it when I dropped you in the cave recently, and you do need it. So we'll see what happens now. And then he like turns the table. He's like, oh, Joker, you're right. You've had it the whole time. So let's just hug it out as we die. And oh, you, don't yeah, need that was to, amazing. you don't need to get to the Dionysium. And Joker's like, uh, let me go. Let me go. I got to get out of here. <laughs> and he's like freaking out. And then he That's stalls awesome. him in that moment, and the cave just crushes and covers up the Dionysium. So Joker's like, ah, damn it. So he's you, like dead. And to my knowledge, I mean, just from what you're, the spoilery stuff you're talking about, I don't, you you never see Joker kind of show weakness or show. No, he's, he's just like fighting. His face is getting like cut up. His ear was lopped off. So they're going at it. Tet ought tet. Right. And I guess at this point, like the Dionysium is like wearing off of him because he needs to like replenish. And they never do explain the photos. They just like totally glossed over that. That's because Penny too <laughs> is in on it. I, I still right. swear by that fact. <laughs> now I will say the only the only thing that took me out, and this was an incredible issue. Why the f would Alfred not want his hand back? He he like rolls over and he's like, "Why there's nobody else to patch up? I don't need that hand. <laughs> it's your right hand. It's your dominant oh, hand, man, Alfred. Why would you want to live your life not being able to well, do anything?" I, I did see it from his point. On the second read, I didn't catch it that he's that he said there's no one left to patch up. Like he treats it as Bruce is dead. So why do I even need a, another hand? What am I gonna do? That makes zero effing sense. He's grieving. He's grieving, Jonesy. So get, get my hand out of here. <laughs> right? Yeah. Obviously, he could have a robotic hand anytime he wants in that cave. He just calls I up mean, Lu- Cy- Lucius Fox, and he'll graft one onto him. The The one thing I really didn't like about the story was someone leaves a note at the end 
for them to read. Yeah. Jonesy, do you think it's Batman or Bruce? No. You don't think it was Bruce? I don't, I don't think he would have left You that think it was word. Joker? Okay, yeah. I read it as like Batman leaving this note. Well, the first time I read it, Alfred pretty much says, oh, it has to be Master Bruce. It makes total sense. But then you're like, yeah, he's also kind of crazy and probably on painkiller since he has one hand. Mm. And who would really leave that note? But the note... You don't know what the note says until the very last panel. So Alfred goes to explain to Penny 2 what this note means with one word. And he explains, he goes into a Scott Snyder story for like a page or two, th- maybe three. My father told me once. And he, he's like, this is what that, that note means with one word. And, uh, and the, the, the word is eventually ha, H-A. Like how does Alfred tell this story about what that one word means over three pages? Where do you get off, Alfred? How do you pull that story from one word? I was like, get out of here. You stink. (laughs) So I do have a question for you. What is that uh, armor that's in the trash in the last scene? uh, Question because someone in our office went back to the beginning of Zero Year or the beginning of this story because it opens with Wayne funding the rebuilding of the theater in Gotham. And the armor signified like how the townspeople could raise up because there's a scene in this play where the armor is, is hanging from ropes and at one point it's raised up into the ceiling. So the person that's wearing it is, is risen you know, and goes higher than they could before. So now that that's over with, the armor is like tossed into the trash or something. Ew. Someone in our office theorized that the symbolism between the armor was that joke, Batman had some kind of tool in the caves to like pull him up, but it could have just been some circular story ending. Hmm. Deep. Interesting. Mm-hmm. But I thought it was, yeah, I thought it was really good. I mean, I, I even said the other day, like I'll probably hate it in a year when we, when we do it for paper keg. We'll pick it apart. <laughs> yeah. Or you will anyway. <laughs> Me and Dale will say how much we liked it, and you'll be like, oh, this is a big piece of S. I mean, probably two of my all-time favorite paper keg episodes when we did those two books for Scott Snyder. Yeah. Yeah. They were so, they, I mean, they're so good. I was vicious. So good to pick at. They, I mean, I liked them, but I just picked them apart. Yeah. Are you, uh, you guys still reading Daredevil or no? I'm like 10 issues behind. Ooh. I think I'm uh, two behind. Two. I'm Final behind issue's coming right. out soon. I know. I'm getting... I'm waxing nostalgic. I'm going back like and rereading mm. their entire run oh, cool. thus far. Mm. Man, do you, are you rereading those uh, freaking Paolo Revere ones and the? Yeah, I started with the. I guess it. Marcus Volume Three, Issue One. Yeah, the one like af- like he comes back from um, being Shadowland. Yeah, where he's at the wedding. Uh, R.I.P. Shadowland, worst arc ever. <laughs> yeah, and he interferes in the mob wedding and kisses the bride. Oh man. <sighs> So good. So good. So, yeah. It's it's good. It's going to be really, really sad to see this creative team go. And for Batman and Daredevil, a lot of good stuff that we've been in the middle of the last couple of years is finally coming to an end. Yeah, I think we have like 10 months left to Batman, Snyder. He said that like that long? Capullo's contract ends at 50. So if they... Hmm. He, he, like it sounded like there was a definite end before, but I just read an interview where he's like, "Yeah, if they, if Capullo's changes his mind, we'll stay." But otherwise, isn't that crazy? Fifty issues by the same creative team—that's yeah, absurd. It is. It's it's crazy. We're living in a golden age of comic books. In fact, we should call it the golden age. I think yeah. that's already happened. Yeah, golden age too. Yeah, maybe the second <laughs> golden age. Who knows? Yeah, yeah, see. I want to. So, who do you think will will take over DD after uh, Wade? I'm going to call out the Seal Men. I'm going to say it's I Chucky was thinking Soul. that same thing. It was either him or Jason Aaron. Hmm. I kind of think Jason, Jason Aaron and Assad Ribic. I think Jason Aaron's kind of like done Marvel. He's got what? four, but what else does he do there? Star Did he Wars. Do like eight Wolverine oh, titles yeah, for a while. Wars, that's right. Charles Soule, I can see him doing Daredevil. He's he's got to be mm. getting tapped out soon, right? He's got. I mean, does he go to court? Does he? <laughs> does he like? He's is doing he a Lando session? book for Star Wars. Yeah, with your boy Alex Maleev. 
Rest in peace, Alex. I mean, bless, bless Charles Soule. I hope he never stops writing many books, but he writes a lot, man. Props to him. You know, just the other day I was interviewing Charles Soule on, uh, this guy, on live this internet television guy. on Twitch, and he, a he revealed that Letter 44, I think, is ending like issue 30, 32. Like, that's his set ending for the book. Is it really that early? I thought it was in the 40s. I don't think it went in the 40s. It was like some number 30. It was like 36, 38 or something like that. So he had a planned ending and that's when it is. 31, 32, 33, 34, Who knows? Who can keep track when you're interviewing these people? You know, the cameras in your face, the HD. Yeah. I've got to remember I'm looking at the right camera when I'm on stage. I mean, who does your makeup in that scenario? You know, my iPhone 5S. Just turn around. Some chapstick. Some lip chap. Some Burt's Bees. <laughs> there you have it. What, what else did you read this week, Dale? Um, I wanted to... Well, I Jonesy, this might be up your alley if you haven't read it yet. I'm listening. The, uh, what was it? The Further Travels know. of Wyatt Earp. What? I didn't see that in the app. Joe, it's, a, it it's a Comixology submit book hmm. by Joe Caramagna. And uh, Scott Koblish is the illustrator on the book. And it's from Squarehead Entertainment. Maybe that's um, maybe Joe Caramagna's um, line or something like that. But he he I think he letters a lot of books. And this is just straight up. Uh, it's a Western where uh, Wyatt Earp is in Idaho. It's and like I like it like it says, it's the further adventures of Wyatt Earp. And he's a deputy. He's in Idaho now. He has like a uh, an Indian sidekick, and that's it, man. He it it, it establishes a good um, kind of arch nemesis to the arc, and he basically like one of his gang members. He's out of. Uh, Wyatt Earp is out of his jurisdiction. He's, uh, you know, like busting some uh, claim jumpers from uh, pa- from gold panners, and this one guy almost clean kills him. And the the leader of his gang's like, no, no member of my gang is going to be the one who kills Wyatt Earp because he is a wow. legend. He's got that legendary status, and it was really, really good. The art was amazing. I really liked it. It was ninety nine cents. Mm. Come on. That's amazing. Yeah. So I'm excited to see where this goes. I'm going to keep tabs on it. I don't know if you could subscribe to that series because it's a submit, but I hope uh, I hope more comes out soon. I hope it stays on like a regular basis. And um, Silk, I caught up uh, Silk 2 and 3. I really love Silk. I think mm. it's because uh, Cindy Moon is just a female Peter Parker, but that's fine. She's got uh, good humor. I don't. It kind of creeps me out that she shoots webbing out of her um, index and middle fingers. But I was wondering what you're going to say. <laughs> <laughs> Ping pong balls and the. <laughs> but yeah, I I really like it. I just like I like I might be in love with her. I don't know yet. Well, while we're giving recommendations to Jonesy, I have another one that I read in preparation for Chicago. A submit book called Silver. Have you read that? No. Ocean's What's Eleven mm. meets Bram Stoker's Dracula. Okay. Keep Black talking. and white. Guy that writes and draws it used to work for Disney, and he worked on the Iron Giant. Oh, really wow. Good. Oh, wow. The, book, the first issue starts out, I think it's in like the 30s or the 40s, but it's about this, um, who was the character, do you remember the Pierce Brosnan movie? Brett Ratner was it after the sunset or it was one of my favorite movies where he's like a thief and the Thomas Crown affair no there's another one that, that he did with Selma Hayek oh yeah huh. it was yeah, a great yeah. movie but so he's like a world famous like thief and the issue starts out he's trying to steal something and in his attempted escape he goes like underground and stumbles upon this uh, vampire hideout it's pretty cool. Hmm. It does sound cool. Dracula. After, the, after the sunset, two thousand four. Oh god, what a great movie! I have to see that. I have to watch that. Hilarious. I'll tell you what's good. Uh, Pierce Brosnan movie. If you want to 
Let's talk about Pierce Brosnan movies. Please. The Minotaur <laughs> movie. What? Great. It's a great what year movie. is that Minotaur. from? That was uh, maybe 08, 07. Really? The Minotaur. Yeah, he's like, um, he is an assassin. Do you like a lean? Oh, you mean the Matador? The Matador, yeah, I apologize. The Matador. <laughs> the Minotaur. That sounds like uh, something straight to video. That sounds, the Minotaur was that energy drink from that Paul Rudd movie. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. It's rare when Gen Z starts pulling out the obscure the, references. The Matador. Great movie. Or even the obscure Pierce Brosnan movies. I'm a Pierce Brosnan f- uh, fan. I don't care. He should it. still be Bond in my book. Whoa. Be cra- don't go he crazy. He should still be I Bond. Mean, Daniel Craig is a fantastic James Bond. Sure. But Pierce. Oh, boy. Mm, Pierce. Mm, you know, the way, that, the way he Come held on. those guns in a manner that they, if a gust of wind came by, it would fly right out of his hand. <laughs> oh, yeah. You're talking about the end of Tomorrow Never Dies when he's running and shooting like this, <laughs> like with his uh, Gumby arms floating in the air. <laughs> oh, boy. You know, fully automatic rifle, totally one handed. Anyone could do it. Can Book Jug shift into doing episodes rarely where you just review James Bond movies also? I would love to. Oh, man. Holy moly. <laughs> I feel like there's probably so many James Bond podcasts out there. Oh, oh yeah. It's got to be a ridiculous. 